Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to Dear World Love Delilah, the quotable podcast with me, Darcy Lee, a moment meant to motivate, inspire, and empower. And I am super glad that you're here. So if you're joining me because you need the occasional reminder of your pure badassery or innate awesomeness, if you need help silencing that inner critic, getting through a tough day, want to be a part of a community of people who are dedicated to suiting up and showing up fully for their lives, or if you just want to be able to, at the end of it all, say, I did all I wanted to do with this life. I put it all on the table and I lived this life as fully, authentically, and courageously as I could, then welcome, because you, my friend, are in the right place. Every week, I will come here with something fun, fantastic, and authentic for you in all different ways. Some days, I'll bring you amazing people, some of whom you may have heard of because they are amazing out loud, and some of whom you need to hear of because their remarkable gifts are too good to be kept behind the curtain any longer. Other days, we may discuss an incredible book or share a beautiful idea that will help you truly live the life that you want to live. We will enjoy the fun things, tackle the difficult things, and together we will meet. We will dream, we will learn, and we will laugh. Together we will take this life by the horns and we will live it until the living is done. So my fellow rock stars, are you ready for an adventure? Here's to the journey. I am really excited. Let's do this. Dear world, I'm sending you so much warmth and light. Love, Delilah. Hey, hey, super glad that you are here. Super glad that I get to be here with you. Uh, it is currently Father's Day morning, uh, and I am recording again from my studio space, which has come a long way from where it was last week when I recorded. Uh, last week, I said I was going to post pictures of it, and I didn't. <laughs> And, um, so yeah, I may post pictures. I may put some on my Facebook page, Dear World Love Delilah. We'll figure it out. But I'm really excited about my space. Um, and yeah, yeah, I love it. And I love being in here, uh, to be able to record and to kind of spend this time with y'all. So it's pretty neat. Um, so yeah, this episode is going to be a little bit different, uh, a little outside of the norm compared to what has come before it podcast-wise, uh, but the fun thing is, is that it's going to be a little more true to its roots, sort of from where the podcast started, um, and sort of from that whence it was born, <laughs> because the podcast was not sort of my original way of reaching out to people. Um, some of you may know, many of you may not know, but I had a small blog before the podcast, and it was the beginning. Uh, it was called Dear World Love Delilah XO, uh, and it was meant to serve sort of a, as a Dear Abby you know, a Dear Abby 2.0, a homage to, you know, an advice column, uh, but less advice, I'd say, and more just kind of encouragement, support, helping people find their own way. So a little bit of an advice column for the ages, 
and just sort of using my background as a substance abuse counselor, uh, as someone in the helping field, and and it was fun. It was. I loved getting letters. Hint, hint. <laughs> I'd still love if you would write. Uh, but that is what the blog was dedicated to, and I launched it August 30th of 2017, so a couple months shy of a year ago. It was fun, and I was so honored to receive the letters that I did. Uh, Transitioning into the podcast, however, was also something that I wanted to do very much, and maintaining both separately was would just be too much for me. Uh, to be honest, I have a hard time maintaining the podcast, <laughs> but I love being here. And this is one of those things that I just have to make myself do because I love it. You know, I don't make money off the podcast. Uh, I spend far more making it than I bring in at all. But like, that's just so not the point for me. I love it. I love coming here. Uh, I love this time. And so it's very easy for me to get caught up in those things that I feel like I should do, uh, in those practical things that need to be done, the day-to-day grind. And so I just really have to make an effort to do this because I want to do it, because I love to do it. I enjoy it. And uh, But with that said, I, there was no way that I could maintain the pod or the blog uh, Dear Delilah Exo and the podcast. So I decided that I would go the podcast route, but I also decided today it would be sort of fun to just combine the two to bring them together. And as I said, when I first started this podcast in episode one, I don't know what's going to happen, right? It could go in a variety of different directions. Uh, but I do miss the correspondence, the letter writing. So that said, once again, if you have anything you want to talk about, write me. I would love that. Just shoot me an email. Hello at DarcyLee.com. That's D-A-R-C-E-E-L-E-E.com. Don't just Google me, however, because apparently there's a porn star with the exact same name. <laughs> so just jot this down. Hello at DarcyLee.com. She has the same name, but I have the website. <laughs> I have the domain. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anyway, Dear Delilah XO was retired when Dear World Love Delilah was born. But the concept, the desire to help, to be in contact with you all, to share what has been shared with me, that part has not changed. Only the format. And only somewhat. So anyway, I was thinking the other day about one of the amazing brave people that had written into Dear Delilah XO and her story, and I thought, how fun would it be to share it here? Her letter and my response. Super fun, right? <laughs> so I've decided to dedicate this episode to the art of letter writing in the form of a letter that I received last year and my response to that letter. And as always, I'd love to know what you think. Um, what you have to say, what you want to share that will never change. So as I mentioned, I'd love to hear from you. With that, here is the letter I see I received. Uh, also, know that it is a tad abridged. The uh, particular letter writer loves to write like I do, and her writing style is beautiful. Uh, but I had to shorten it some for the blog. 
uh, and this is straight from, you know, Dear Delilah XO, straight from the blog. It's not the original letter. So here you go. The subject of her email was what now? And I'm just going to read it to you. What now? I feel like I should begin by saying I have never prayed for a great love in my life. After multiple miscarriages as a young adult, all I ever prayed for was to be a mother. God gave me a daughter. She is the result of a one-night stand, and she is my world. Maybe it's because I prayed so hard for her, but I've always seen raising her the best I can as my duty to God for giving her to me. And so it happens... I later found love too. Love, like in a novel. Everything stopped when I saw him. A love like I had never known. With all the passion and fire imaginable. I have no other words to describe it. He's my match. I feel complete in his arms. Like I found the peace to my life I didn't even know was missing. And we got married. I went from a single mother, much alone, taking on the world with my daughter at my side, to having a family, and I love them all. My stepson, wow. There are no words to describe this little boy, sweet and polite, a true gentleman. My in-laws, I am proud to say, love me, and I love them. When I first met my husband, he informed me he was in recovery from addiction. At the time, I had no clue what those words would end up meaning to me. He relapsed, and my nightmare began. The pieces of this perfect little world that I could only describe as my happily ever after began to crumble around me, and I was scrambling to put them all back together again. They'd go back together for a little while, only to crumble again. It got so bad at times that I developed what I believed to be a form of PTSD. I began to suffer from severe anxiety attacks. My mother-in-law became much my rock at these times. When my husband would use, for the most part, he would disappear, which was difficult, but in hindsight, it made it easier to shield my daughter from what was happening. The first time this happened, by day four, I was sure he was dead. He turned up on day seven at a hospital psych ward. When he and I would discuss it later, I always called it that week. Finally, once, he didn't disappear. That was the last straw. He came home late and I was angry and we fought and I instructed him to go sleep on the couch. Around 3 a.m. he kicked in the bedroom door and said, I know you're talking to someone out the window and the police are on their way. When he did, it woke my daughter. Looking around the house, he had kitchen chairs under every doorknob as a barricade. He walked by me in the kitchen, and I looked in his eyes, and his pupils were the size of quarters. I knew he was hallucinating. The police showed up, and they wouldn't make him leave because he was the one who called them. But I was sure they were going to report what was going on to children's services. I gathered my daughter and some of our things after the police left, and as I got in my car, I told him, you need to find somewhere else to go. You can't live here anymore. I couldn't have him there when social services came, and I knew that they would be coming. I was afraid they would take my daughter, 
and that was a risk I was not willing to take. When we came home, he was gone. I got a call a couple months later from the hospital that he had overdosed, but was going to be okay. I didn't even go to the hospital. He left nine months ago, and I still just burst into tears sometimes. I do not regret my decision. I will choose my daughter every time. She is my only family, and in one fell swoop, I lost everyone else in the world that mattered to me. It's hard to cope. It has affected my faith. Why would God let me love him so much just to take him away? Whew. Reading that again, the heartache, the heartache. I don't know if any of you have found yourselves in situations like this. I mean, I don't know yet. I know I don't have a lot of listeners yet, but I know that the ones I have are pretty amazing. Um, but I don't know a lot about you. I don't know what you've been through, what you've seen, you know, what you've done. Um, but I can't imagine that I'm speaking with anyone right now that can't relate to the author of that letter, you know, on some level. I don't know if she knew when she wrote in that I'm a recovering addict. It's not a secret by any means. Uh, it is not all of who I am, but it's a large part of who I am. And it is, it has brought me so many incredible things in life, right? Being a recovering addict. So, <clears throat> uh, while it's no secret, I don't know if she knew. Um, but I knew when I read it, that it was serendipitous. This, you see, was the very first letter that I received as Dear Delilah XO. This was the jumping off point for that blog. My recovery plays a large role in who I am today and in what I'm able to offer others. And my recovery would not be possible without my history of addiction, right? It seems crazy when you think about it, but I had to know my worst self in order to find my best self. It's true. I... Remember once someone told me, one of my counselors, that when we were trying to find balance, when we were trying to find this thing that we all call like the middle ba- the middle ground, the in-between, when we we're trying to find um, a resting place or a productive safe place from the extremes from which we're trying to escape uh, or from which we're trying to move on, we must first experience the other extreme to even know where the middle is. Right, the middle is by definition between two spaces. So to know our middle, our center, our best, we have to tear first on the seesaw of our worst extremes. I don't know what you think of that. <laughs> it's not an excuse or even something that we necessarily do with consciousness. I think it's simply a process. Um, but anyway, I have found it true to be I have found it to be true in my life. Uh, and one of the biggest pieces of wisdom that I've been gifted. But I, I digress. <laughs> so I wrote her back and I was excited to write back, but it was hard too. It was a little scary. <sighs> Excuse me while I yawn and stretch. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was a little scary because here's someone who wrote in anonymously uh, who spoke about something that so many others um, deal with, right? But that they stuff, 
that they stifle, that they hide. Um, and this woman, she shared something very difficult in a very genuine way. And now it was my turn. It was my turn to honor her courage and her strength and her heartache. And it was my turn to do my best to answer them um, as she did her best to write it. You know, uh, it was my turn to answer what I could for her um, to kind of honor her, her courage, her strength and her heartache. Uh, it's a tall order. And while I truly believe that this is where my gifts take me, where I land sort of in my purpose, it is not lost on me that there is a great deal of responsibility involved. Uh, I will say, though, that I am glad to say that I actually heard from her recently. She wrote in with an update, and I'll share that with you. But the reason I'm telling you now is because as you hear my response, um... Some of it may be, you might say, I wouldn't have said that. Or maybe to some it sounds harsh. Or to some it sounds hard to hear. Um, you can know that it was well received by the incredible woman who wrote it. And I'm so freaking grateful for that. <laughs> so grateful. Um, so anyway, this is what I wrote back to her. Alright. Dear friend... First, I hope you know that the courage and strength with which you sent away the man you love for the good of both you and your daughter, because it was not just for her that you made the decision that you did, it is the same strength and courage that will one day bring you peace and healing. In difficult times, the sharp pains of sharper thoughts leave us trying to catch our breath in the most desperate of ways choking on the unknown, each question a gasp. Will I survive this? What have I done to deserve this? When will it stop hurting? And of course, why would God do this to me? It is so hard. It is so scary. And it seems so unfair. And the pain, as it is now, seems like it will never end but it does. Second, thank you so much for writing and for entrusting me with your story. Why would God let me love him so much just to take him away? When I started this blog, I was expecting questions like, my boyfriend cheated on me, what should I do? And my kid just told me he's gay. Do I need to start wearing rainbow everything? <laughs> But why would God let me love him so much just to take him away? Boom. That is huge. All I could think since reading the last line of your letter is this. Because love is God's nature. So God will always let you love. In fact, we are called to love. So he will never stop us from doing so, and we will always be better for it. Does that sound right to you? If so, does it make all the confusion and the hurt and the heartache rush away? I would assume not. There is no pain like the pain of a broken heart, and your heart right now breaks twice. Once for the man you miss, 
again for the God by whom you feel hurt. And it's okay to feel that way. It is okay to feel. But one day, you will wake up in the morning as you always do, and you will realize that neither your husband nor the pain that you've felt since him is the first thing on your mind. Then another day, further on, you will realize that the hurt, a hurt that may have even shrunk the tiniest bit, doesn't creep in until there is something specific reminding you of your life with him, and now life without him, instead of everything reminding you of that. Then one day you will notice that what you feel at the thought of him is not really even pain anymore, but more the memory of a pain that you once knew. And you will breathe differently that day. In the meantime, perhaps you can look at your daughter and be reminded that while you endure the pain of one of his gifts, you also reap the phenomenal joy of another. And God, that relationship may take time to mend, and that is okay. In my opinion, contrary to popular belief, God does not get mad at us for being mad at him or for wavering faith. The one who waited for the sixth day, I personally believe that a day in God's eyes is perhaps a thousand years in ours, will wait for you to come back to a place of connectedness and gratitude. The source of all things has all the time in the world. So love your daughter. Love yourself. Love the day, each new one, and what it brings. Love the breeze and the rain and the trees and the wildflowers that pop up on the side of the road. Compliment a stranger. Buy someone a cup of coffee. Read a good book. Sing to a song at the top of your lungs and let the tears flow if they must. But love them too. Embrace it all. I truly believe that in all of this, the question that prompted your letter will fade away into a life lived in love and adventure, in gratitude and in perseverance. And if not, you will at least be living and loving in a way that will make both you and the world better. I hope that helps. With warmth, love, hugs, and kisses, dear Delilah XO. Hmm. So yeah, um, as you know, or as I've, pro- as I've shared in the podcast, depending on what episode this is for you, Delilah for me, the reason I had a blog called Dear Delilah XO and the reason this podcast is called Dear World Love Delilah is because Delilah to me is the collective. It is not just me, it is everyone who has helped me through this life, through this experience. Um, So it is this kind of collective of things that I was blessed to learn and understand and know uh, through others. Um, Wisdom and love and all of those things that were gifted to me through others. So I just want to share that because I did sign the letter to her as Delilah XO. 
And as I read it now, I think that I'm still pretty happy with it. I still feel comfortable with it. And I, I'm still grateful that I could be in a place to offer that. Um, and as I mentioned, I did hear from her again. It was last month. So a little over eight months from the time that she had originally written it. And basically uh, 17 months from the time that her husband had left. So almost a year and a half from the time that it all went down. And then eight months from the time that she wrote me. Uh, I messaged her. Um, I've checked in with a few people that I've written letters with. I messaged, her, I messaged her and asked how she was and whether or not things had improved for her. Uh, if she had found closure uh, and or healing. In response, she was kind enough to provide me with an update. And I wanted to share that with you as well. Okay, so here's what she wrote on the update. Um, well, I have started to see someone. Also, I'm going back to college in the fall. Everything is in place for me to start other than orientation and getting my class schedule. My daughter is going into middle school next year, and I seem to have got on with the business of living my life. A lot of this I contribute to a trip I made to Atlanta to see my husband, who was at the time residing in a homeless shelter down there. Many friends urged me not to go, but I felt like it was something that I needed to do. I don't know if you've ever visited a homeless person in Atlanta, but it's about as much fun as it sounds. It was really the reality check that I needed. A, he smelled like a homeless person. B, even in the situation he was in, it was the same old excuses. Everything in his life is someone else's fault. It was really sad to see. Upon leaving, I had to ask myself, what in the hell am I holding on to here? Do I truly believe I can build a life, the life that I want for myself and for my daughter with this man? That day, I let go of my delusions. Delusions of the man he had presented himself to be, which was a complete fabrication, and realized the reality of who he actually is. Though, looking back, I am grateful that I held on for so long because holding on forced me to be alone. And in being alone, I relearned to enjoy my own company, the company of, the da of my daughter and of my friends. In this time, I found a little life for myself and eventually found someone who doesn't want to take it over but share it with me as well as sharing his with me. We have known each other for the better part of 15 years, I'd say as acquaintances. The more we started talking and spending time together, we became friends, and then we became more than friends. And so far, it is happy and peaceful. My daughter adores him, though she was dead set against the idea of me dating at first. And he is one of the most kindest, most honest people I have ever known, and I am happy Thanks for checking in on me. I hope your podcast is a success. I hope I get a link and I hope this helps. I had to walk through all of my hurt and heal, but I've finally done it and I'm creating the life for myself that I once dreamed I could build with him and I'm in love with the empowerment of doing it.
from me. Hmm. <laughs> How awesome is that? It is such incredible news. Such incredible news. Um, man, like, she's doing well. Her daughter's doing well. Um, one thing I realized that I love about this correspondence is that she is sort of every woman. And more than that, she's in some ways every person who has ever walked the earth. Every person who has ever known the pain of heartache. The pain that she felt has been felt by everyone in the whole world. Even though the circumstances that brought on the pain may differ from situation to situation. And the pain is complex. The pain is made up of so many different things. So many different feelings. But it is something that on some level we can all relate to. This fear that we will never heal and that we may never be whole again. And anger. The anger for the person who made us feel that way. Who made us face the fear and the anger by taking the heart we offered and treating it so carelessly. And then there may be the anger we feel for ourselves, for allowing it to happen, for being quote-unquote foolish enough to put our tender, beating, raw hearts out there, right? And then the frustration, <laughs> the frustration that comes with having to say, you know what, they didn't do it to us. <laughs> God didn't do it to us. They just did it. They did it to themselves, and we were there to witness it, and then we were also there to deal with it. And then there's that part of us that knows that we had to, the part of us that knows that we cannot truly live and, and not take the risk of being hurt. And that part of us, that part of us that knows that, it just hurts, right? And sometimes, just sometimes, that part of us in all of the pain and anger and fear and hurt, that part of us can still somehow recognize that there is something amazing once. And that while we are so destroyed over its end, we were at one time created in its presence. It's like that Dr. Seuss quote, don't cry because it is over. Smile that it happened. I love that quote. And it, that concept, it is in us. There is a part of us that knows it all the time. It is that part of us that decides to take a risk, to take that risk in the first place. Because which one of us loves thinking it is completely risk-free? Right? I don't think a single human does that. We're not built that way. Actually, wait. Um... I will take that back. I think that as children, uh, we may not see love as a risk. But it only takes a few heartbreaks to change that, right? After you grow up some, love takes courage. And that's not a bad thing. Because it is in that courage and taking that chance that we can see that we also have what it takes to heal. Does that make sense? Like, there's this small part of us that decides two things when we choose to love. One, we decide that there's going to be something about it that is going to be worth it. There's going to be something about it that is worth the risk, that will change our life for the better, that will elevate us. 
that will, well, be able to be grateful for even if it ends. Okay. And then two, we trust that we will survive it. It's like this understanding. It comes and goes from our focus, but it remains in our peripheral. It's like, I hope this never ends. It will destroy me if it does. I'll never be the same. But I will be able eventually to pick up the pieces. <laughs> you know, that knowing is there. It's there. And I think, again, that it is because it is in our nature to love. It is at the core in the making of us. It is, it's our essence, right? We cannot be and not love, not without walking through this world lost and broken. If you listen, you know that I have this thing about brokenness. I was taught my whole life that I was broken, damaged goods, that it was only out of the goodness of his own heart that even God loved me in my terrible state of humanity, right? But I don't believe in brokenness in that way. I'm not damaged. I'm not a charity case, and neither are you. You are lovable by design, excellent by design, worthy by design. If you guys listen to episode 10, Dr. David Banks, um, he talks about this. He talks about this and I love it. And what he says is that we were designed to succeed. We were designed to be excellent and we were conditioned to survive. We were conditioned to settle. So we were designed to be great and we were conditioned to be mediocre, right? But by design, you are incredible. You are special. Um, but for some reason, I was, am, was, am, I don't know, it goes back and forth, still sort of attached to a form of brokenness. Uh, and I realized that it goes back and forth because what I mean by brokenness sort of changes. I've shared before that it's related to this idea that in trying to pour an infinite spirit into a finite vessel, there has to be some brokenness. Um, but I was speaking with a gentleman the other day who has sort, sort of an aversion to the word healing because of its subtexts, the implication that we are indeed broken, and then oftentimes other people telling us how we need to heal ourselves um, as though they know us better than we know us. Um, and I shared with him my thoughts about infinite beings being smushed into finite vessels, right? The squishing, the the smushing that has to be done for it to occur. Uh, and the kind of breaking that leads to cracks, okay? Um, but cracks that are then filled with gold. And he said something that he heard and loves. And, uh, and it is that we have to be willing to be cracked open to let more light in. So in that way, the brokenness, and maybe I should use cracked instead because there is a difference, right? Um, but in that way, the brokenness or the cracks are about letting love, like letting love and light in. And then I thought, yes, and also to let our light out. So I think I'm going to try to make a transition from this idea of brokenness to this idea of cracking open um, or having cracks, right? 
Uh, and there is where love and brokenness come in or love and cracking open come in. Love does not damage us. It cracks us open. And the loss of love does the same. Do we experience brokenness in this world? Maybe, right? Maybe. Um, but there's a difference. So even if we use the term broken, there's a difference between breaking open and coming into this world broken. There's a difference in between experiencing the bruises and scars that sometimes accompany living in this world and coming into this world damaged. We come into this world beautifully human, beautifully flawed, perfectly imperfect. And that is why love is so important. Because love, the desire to love, the need to love, the inclination to put ourselves out there, that is our spirit. That is the glue that holds us together. That is the gold that fills the cracks when we are called to crack open. Right? And that is the part of us that knows that we will be okay. And that we will be restored. I personally still like the word healing, and I will use it in my life, but I also understand that it can mean different things to different people. I know that it can seem like semantics, uh, but language is important. It really is, and we underestimate the power our language or our use of language has on us, on our relationships, on our thoughts, and on the internal conversation that we have with ourselves. It is important, and it can be fun too. Um, I do love me some language <laughs> and people who know me would say I also just love to talk. I've been told since I was like, I don't know, eight or nine years old that I talk a lot <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because it brings me here and I love being here. I really, really do. Um, so that was a lot of stuff, right? Lots and lots of stuff. Love, life, hurt, healing, digression, restoration. So much beautiful stuff. Um, and I want to know. I want to know what you think of some of this stuff. So email me. Hello at DarcyLee.com. Uh, and just kind of, you know what? Like, let's just sort of shoot the shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, email me just to say hi. And let's see if it turns into a conversation. Let's see if it goes somewhere. And you can email me anonymously if you want. Um, but I would love to see if we can start some conversations. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, friends. Here is where we will end this episode of Dear World, Love, Delilah. Thank you so, so much for being here. I will say it today and I will say it every single episode. You are the reason I do this and you are the reason that I get to do this. I'm having so much fun here and I'm really, really grateful to be able to spend this time with you. Seriously, thank you for this and for all the love that you give me between episodes each week, the emails, the Facebook messages, the love that you give me on social media and the reviews you leave on iTunes. You guys are rock stars and I'm just super fortunate that I get to be in the band. So with that, if you liked this episode, if you feel like it had bits of juicy, yummy goodness that can help someone you know, someone you care about, then I hope you'll take a moment and share it. 
share it on Facebook or on Instagram, tell a friend, and then maybe take another moment to leave a review on iTunes. These little actions make a huge difference for me and my team. Sharing is caring, and every little bit helps. Also, if you haven't gotten your hands on my free 10-page e-guide to taking small steps to making big changes in your life, and you want that e-guide, of course you want it, it's free and it's awesome, just go to DarcyLee.com and get it there. I wrote it for those of you who, like me, know in your heart of hearts that there is more for you, that you want to do more, that you are capable of more. And while the idea of more or better is exciting, the idea of where to begin can be overwhelming. I get it. So the e-guide is just about starting with some small steps, which will yield some really big results. I hope it helps. And if it does, if you read it and like it, then maybe you'll send a friend or loved one to my site, DarcyLee.com, so that they can get their hands on it too. Oh, and a little something extra. One of my other little side passions is all things paper all the paper and hot glue and fabric and buttons. But mostly and most passionately, I create paper flowers. Uh, and I've created a page where we can all play with some of that stuff together. So if you want to check any of that out, you can go to facebook.com slash all the whimsy. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y. And if you're interested in an online book club, then you can go to my other page, uh, which is at Dear Delilah XO on Facebook, uh, or you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash read, share, slay book club, and you can join us there. We would love to have you. All right, so before signing off, I want to give a special thanks to my badass executive producer, Wayne Renbure, without whom I'd be lost, and also to my dad, who just joined my team. And of course, I want to thank you one more time for being here. I truly hope you got something you needed, and I can't wait to be here with you again next week. So with that, dear world, I'm sending you so many hugs and kisses. Love, Delilah.